Hey guys, Connie here. If you've been a longtime listener, you know that I had to go gluten-free last year and your girl struggled. I'm a sweets girl and one of my favorite snacks at night was a huge bowl of cereal. Up until now, I hadn't been able to find one that didn't taste like cardboard or air. Enter Magic Spoon. Magic Spoon has the amazing flavors you love, but without all the bad stuff. In my case, gluten. Magic Spoon has been a literal life changer for not only me, but my picky chicken tenders and fries only kids. Magic Spoon comes in a variety pack with four flavors, cocoa, fruity, frosted, and peanut butter. This pack has zero grams of sugar, 13 to 14 grams of protein, and only four net grams of carbs. That protein serving has been clutch for my kids in the morning, and I don't feel so guilty about snacking at night. With only 140 calories a serving, it's keto-friendly, gluten-free, grain-free, soy-free, and low-carb. It tastes like all of the cereal you loved from your childhood, only it's actually nutritious, so you can eat like a whole bowl without the added guilt. Go to magicspoon.com gruesome to grab a variety pack and try it today. And be sure to use our promo code gruesome at checkout to save $5 off your order. And Magic Spoon is so confident in their product, it's backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they'll refund your money, no questions asked. Remember, get your next delicious bowl of guilt-free cereal at magicspoon.com gruesome and use the code gruesome at checkout to save $5 off. Welcome to Gruesome, your horrific true crime podcast. I am Connie, along with my favorite barista in the entire world, Meg. She is going to tell us about Harvey, the Harvey's Casino bombing. I haven't barista in a long time, so. I thought about you today, though, because our local ice cream shop has London Fog ice cream now. Oh, I would definitely try that. Yeah, if I could get it frozen, frozen to bring it to you next week, and I will, because I saw it and I was like, I have to get this. I will accept the diarrhea in exchange for the London Fog ice cream. It'll be worth it. It'll be worth every terrible second. My my, uh, dairy intolerance comes in the form of coughing. So like... Oh, like it, like phlegmy? Yeah, I'm like... (laughs) It's like within minutes of eating it, but I don't care. I'm still going to. Did I tell you about, did I talk about the peach ice cream last week? No. Okay. So I really wanted a peach milkshake. I didn't want to go to Chick-fil-A, but I was at the store and I'm like, I want peach ice cream. Surely there's peach ice cream here somewhere. And so I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm looking. There's one thing of peach ice cream left, but it's like a gallon. (laughs) <laughs> it's huge. I really, but I bought it because it was like four ninety nine or something, three ninety nine. And now it's a good price. Ice cream, yeah, right. And it was exactly what I wanted. Like I tasted it, I was like, yes, this is exactly what I wanted. But then I did not want it anymore after that one bowl. So it's still pretty much full. And no one else in the house likes it. I'll take a peach milkshake. I love peach milkshakes. It was. It was worth it. If you need peach ice cream, 
you'll have to buy a gallon of it, but it'll be worth every every terrible second. <laughs> I just got the like I looked at myself and the way my hair was sitting, I looked like Vince Neil from Molly Crew, and I was like, what the fuck? Hell yeah, throwback to the last episode, episode before that, whatever it was. All right. It's just because you've seen Vince Neil recently. Yeah, and now it's like, that are we are you my dad? <laughs> Connie's dad, Vince Neil. <laughs> I'm gonna think something. about that. <laughs> All right. Uh, it? before we get yelled at. Before we get yelled at. <laughs> okay, okay, we'll get into it. Um you know the trigger warning this week is just that it's a bombing. There really isn't I don't really have a trigger warning for you. So it'll be good, I think. Um early on August twenty sixth, nineteen eighty, three men in coveralls wheeled a large covered object into the front door of Harvey's Resort Hotel in Stateline, Nevada. It's on the shore of Lake Tahoe. The object was roughly the size of a large copy machine and had been covered with a cloth that had a poorly drawn IBM logo on it. They used a service elevator and the men wheeled the machine to an unoccupied second floor office. The machine was actually an elaborate improvised explosive device or an IED. It contained almost 1,000 pounds of dynamite and a complex network of triggering systems. The men left the bomb with a note. Not just any note, but a three-page extortion letter demanding $3 million. But they left it in an empty office? Yeah, they um, left it on the second floor. It said it was an unoccupied office, but I don't think the whole second floor was unoccupied. I think that office just didn't have anything in it. Because about 20 minutes after the men left in the white van that they had arrived in, a manager noticed that the locks on the room had been tampered with, with um, glue and toothpicks. It's like a real Scooby-Doo situation there. Uh, They contacted security, and the bomb was found with the note and the contents of that note were ominous i'm gonna read it to you well just some of it i was like three pages of it no no like barely that uh so one of the sections said in all caps lock stern warning to the management and bomb squad do not move or tilt this bomb because the mechanism controlling the detonators in it will set off at a moment of less than 0.01 of the open-end Richter scale. Do not try to flood or gas the bomb. There is a float switch and an atmospheric pressure, pressure switch set at 26 to 33. Both are attached to detonators. Do not try to take it apart. The flathead screws are also attached to triggers and as much as one-fourth to three-fourths of a turn will cause an explosion. In other words, this bomb is so sensitive that the slightest movement, either inside or outside, will cause it to explode. This bomb can never be dismantled or disarmed without causing an explosion, not even by the creator. Only by proper instruction can it be moved to a safe space where it can be deliberately exploded or where the third automatic timer can be allowed to detonate it. There are three automatic timers, each set for different explosion times. You got to comply. The demands were... We demand $3 million and used $100 bills. They must be unmarked, unbugged, and chemically untreated. If we find anything wrong with the money, we will stop all instructions for moving the bomb. 
Okay. So that was a little chunk of it. But it was three pages pretty much like that. It dragged on and on and on. Uh, the FBI described it as very dramatic. That would be like how would if you... I wrote a book. <laughs> the theatrics of it. But also this. And you know what? While I'm thinking of it, this too. I would get like more mad and add more stuff in it. That and kind also... of seems like what he was doing. He was he was very um, flamboyant about his demands and what he wanted. It went into like the instructions for the delivery, the conditions for the business transaction, instructions for the helicopter pilot that had to deliver the money. It was a very clear statement. There was no negotiating, no extensions. Demands were firm. It was very clear on what they wanted. And, you know, as far as ransom notes go, it wasn't, it wasn't bad, you know? Like some ransom notes are like $200 in a paper bag by the tree. You're like, what tree? When? Very clear on that front. So this bomb, it was two steel boxes that had been stacked on top of each other and welded together. Um, the top box, it was a little smaller, and it had, it was essentially like the brains of this bomb. And the bottom half was a thousand pounds of dynamite. They were perfectly level. It had those eight different triggering mechanisms. I also have like eight different triggering mechanisms. Um but the bomb squad and the explosive examiner, the other experts that were called to the scene, they, for more than 30 hours, photographed it, dusted it for prints, x-rayed it, studied it. They got into a huddle. They set a plan. They were going to sever these two boxes. They were going to use a shaped charge of C4 and focus this little explosive energy to, like, pop it apart so that the detonation wiring would separate from the dynamite. That was the plan. Blow it in half, gently, so that it's disconnected. The Harvey's Resort Hotel was evacuated. So were neighboring casinos and hotels. They remotely detonated the C4 charge, and the plan failed. The bomb exploded and left a five-story crater in the middle of the building and did almost $20 million in damages. It tore the roof off of a nearby building, and the windows at the casino across the street shattered. Now, Brightside, no one was hurt because they evacuated everyone. They did everything as safely as they could. Yeah. It hadn't worked because the creator, as he called himself in his letter, he had put dynamite in the top half of the box in order to wipe any fingerprints that he might have left while building the bomb. So the focus charge had hit that extra dynamite and the blast in the top triggered the larger blast in the bottom. Jesus. This bomb was, uh, it was crazy. It's not like a pipe bomb that you built in someone's basement. The FBI said that this bomb is still one of the most unique IEDs that they have ever seen. They built a replica of it, and it's still used for training purposes. And IEDs today, they might use more advanced electronics, but they're not, like, as big. Yeah, and yeah. The, the FBI has advanced techniques, but even today, that bomb, you probably couldn't detonate it. Like, it's the craziest one they've ever seen. They said they would like people to stop asking about it because it's so crazy. Uh, the post-blast investigation is one of the largest ever undertaken by the FBI. 
they set up sifting stations to sift through all the rubble and they also had to get like all of the money and casino chips that had blown sky high and any evidence that might have dropped from the bomb there was a part of the casino because it had blown it pretty much in the side at the middle there was a part that wasn't fully damaged so they reopened and they built a wall with a window so that gamblers could see the fbi processing the crime scene of course they did (laughs) i know what a money grab right of course like and when they were gonna when they were gonna detonate it like other casinos started taking like started making books on it like do you bet it'll blow up do you bet they'll stop the bomb like what do you think of course Like you're at Lake Tahoe, no you're works. on vacation. <laughs> yeah, no one works harder than casino promoters. Like <laughs> no one. So honestly, that would be cool though. Like how cool if you could like play the penny slots or the penny machines and also watch an FBI process the crime scene. I would do, do it. that. I'd spend that- all the monies. Hell yeah. All my pennies are going into that machine mm-hmm. if I can see the window. <laughs> Right. So the investigation gets underway. The tip line was open, and of course, it's 1980, so everyone's calling in. They were calling about who they'd seen, what they'd seen, what they thought, how to dismantle a bomb. They probably didn't know how to do it. The FBI could barely do it with this one. But they did get the tip that a white van had been spotted. Um, Other than that, there really wasn't any good tip coming in. The FBI thought that the creator as he called himself was an egomaniac like his letter made him seem like a total narcissist um just i'm the best i'll be here i'll be watching i'll i can see this i can see that like bombers are yeah because they're i mean they're trying to control this huge situation it's a very like play god type thing Oh, yeah, definitely. It feels like it. They're scary. Bummers are scary people. Mm -hmm. Not that, like, other people, like serial killers and, you know, all everyone that does that stuff isn't scary, but I think bummers are just kind of, like, next level because they could die in the process, you know? They They don't care. care. But they don't think they will. That's how confident they are. Um, So while they were studying this bomb and trying to figure out before they detonated it, they actually put together a helicopter and a team to make this $3 million drop. And they had asked Harvey, the guy who owned the casino, if he wanted to actually give them $3 million and pay the ransom or if they wanted to make a fake Three million. It was like a thousand dollars, but it looks and feels like three million dollars. You can give it to them. And he was like, "Make the fake one. I don't care." So they make this fake three million drop, and they attempted it, but whoever had put together the bomb didn't. They didn't send the signal correctly, but they did. They gave bad directions. So the helicopter pilot was told to go fifty miles in one direction. And the helicopter pilot, he followed the winding highway up that, but he didn't go straight. So they they were waiting to get the drop with a strobe light, but he never saw the strobe light because the directions were off. 
investigate bad directions. So they went on TV and they were like, hey, we need enlightened. That was their code that they gave them because they weren't trying to reveal anything. The men who were responsible had stayed at a hotel in a white van the night before depositing that bomb at Harvey's. When they checked into the hotel, you're supposed to write down like the car you drive, your license plate number, and they did not do that. But they did make a rude comment to the motel clerk. So she wrote their license plate number down anyways. because she was. That's like, why you have to be nice. Yeah, these guys are creepy. If something happens to me, here's their license plate number. And when the hotel clerk saw that the FBI, the next day pretty much, was looking for a white van, she gave them a call. The van belonged to a young man. He's a roofer named John Burgess Jr. They arrived at his house to find the place littered with beer cans, and John Jr. had five other roommates. They're like, this guy did not build this a crazy bomb. No way. So the FBI kept looking. The FBI offered a reward of a half a million dollars. And suddenly a new tip came in. It was from a man who was dating John Jr.'s ex-girlfriend. And he suggested that they talk to John Jr.'s dad. Because it was his dad that built it. John Burgess Sr. was a Hungarian immigrant living in Clovis, California. He was born in 1922, and during World War II, he flew for the German Luftwaffe. So he was already on the wrong side of the war. <laughs> like, already off to a bad start here, Big John. Bad news for him, John Burgess was captured by Soviet forces on April 27, 1948, and sentenced to 25 years in the Gulag, which... That's where I threaten to send my kids when they're getting into trouble because it is a fun word, but it's not a fun place. Um, the Gulag is a series of forced labor camps in Siberia that Joseph Stalin started. So not a good time. Um, but again, kind of fun to say. John Burgess bounced, and I think he escaped, but I didn't, um, it wasn't clear. It made it seem like that, though. He, after eight and a half years in the Gulag, but then he was recaptured in November of 1956. He managed to talk himself out of being shot on the spot, and he was rescued and then worked his way west across Europe as a Red Cross interpreter before immigrating to New Jersey in the U.S. with his wife, Elizabeth. They moved in May of 1957. So, like, that's a lot in 10 years. That's a lot. Yeah. He and his wife then moved all the way across the country from New Jersey to California. They arrived. They had been promised a job as a gardener and a cook at an establishment. And when they got there, they found that their housing like didn't even have an indoor bathroom. It was really gross. So they were like, nope, we're not going to do this. They found themselves sewing jeans at a factory east of Fresno. It was a couple of months before John upgraded to a steel plant, and he was really good at it. He was good at fabricating steel, um, but he had several run-ins with his bosses. He refused to do, like, monotonous labor. He only wanted to do, like, the higher-up and higher-up stuff. So John started his own company. He started a landscaping company. His children were born in 1960 and 1962, and by the 70s, Big John's business had grown. He had 26 employees. He was making huge money. 
He was also a successful restaurateur. He had opened a very successful restaurant, the Villa Basque. He was inventing things that were getting patented and selling. He was an electrician, a welder, a pilot. He was very good at everything he did. In 1973, his wife asked him for a divorce. And by 1975, Elizabeth was found dead due to a lethal combination of Valium and alcohol. Her body was found in the trailer that she stayed in on the property of her and John's former marital home. Now, her death was likely due to her. She, she did it. Um, but her sons alleged that he was a very abusive man. And that was why she stayed on that property anyways, was because she felt like she couldn't escape him. But after her death, John really started neglecting his businesses. He started going to Lake Tahoe to just get away from everything. He frequently found himself at Hari's Resort Hotel, a casino in Nevada. His game was blackjack, and in the five years after Elizabeth's death, John lost millions of dollars playing blackjack. His restaurant burnt down in 1978, and he got a $355,000 insurance settlement, gambled everything away at blackjack. Jesus. By 1980, John Jr. was 20, and he worked for a roofing company. And Jimmy, his other son, was only 18, lived at home. The boys said, again, that their father was an abusive man growing up and their mother couldn't free herself from him, but they couldn't get free from him either. John Sr. claimed that the boys blamed him for their mother's death, that they didn't care, they didn't want to do anything but leech off of him. But when John Burgess wanted something done, no one was going to tell him no. In early 1980, Big John, as they called him, had first laid out a plan to extort $3 million from Harvey Gross, the man that owned Harvey's Resort Hotel. And he told his sons about it, and they laughed him off. They were like, no, no, that's silly. Why would you do that? He had been to Harvey's personal re residence. I mean, if you lose, you know, a million dollars at a casino, I feel like, yeah, the owner's going to want to be friends with you because you're paying the bills. Naturally. They became friends. He hung out at his property. He went hunting with Harvey. It was a good time for them. But he held this bitterness about the fact that he had lost all of this money to his casino. John had explained exactly what he wanted to do and how he needed his son's help when he said he wanted to extort this $3 million. But his sons were like, you're never, this is, you're not going to do it. Like, this isn't going to happen. But his sons helped him steal dynamite from a worksite in Shaver Lake. They stored the explosives in a freezer at their house. Big John had fabricated that large steel box, and Jimmy had laid all the dynamite in the sun to help soften it so it could be packed into the containers. They had practiced loading the bomb into a van, but it just still, it didn't seem. They just kept saying, there's no way you'll be able to get through those doors with this. There's no way. During a trial run, Big John freaked out and yelled at his sons, and they both quit. They were both like, no, we're not doing this with you. So John hired Bill Brown and Terry Hall, just a couple of flunkies that he could pay bottom dollar. It was estimated that he paid them somewhere between $100 and $2,000, somewhere in that range, to help him carry a 1,000-pound bomb. His girlfriend, Ella Joan, also helped set everything up. She was there laying out the explosives, helping him 
fabricate this bomb in his garage. Jesus. At the start, the boys were going to be the ones who took the bomb into the building. But as it worked out, they were going to be the ones that, with their dad, when they picked up the money. So, Brown and Hall were the men that were rude to the hotel clerk. And they were the reason that the FBI eventually knocked on Big John Burgess' door. The FBI put full-time surveillance on Burgess and both of his sons after John's first interview with them when he explained that, yeah, he had seen... He had seen the Harvey bombings. He was so shocked. He didn't do anything, but here's how he would build a bomb if he was going to do it. He told the FBI how he would build a better bomb than what, you know, he definitely hadn't already built the first time. That is a horrible defense. Uh, I didn't do it because, like, let me tell you how I would do it. Like, I would do it better. Then you're like, wait, how do you know all this stuff? And in the three-page ransom note, they had said, if this one fails, we have another bomb to do it another time. So it's like, he's like, no, I wouldn't. But if I was, here's how I would do it. Because I've done You know what I'm saying? Uh, yeah. And the FBI's like, you're an idiot. We hate you. You're an egotistical so, maniac. What a coincidence. Yeah. <laughs> so weird. So weird how that works out. So every day, the FBI, who was watching them, would go to both of the sons and John and they would try to talk to them. Sometimes Big John would let him in. Sometimes he would threaten them with a gun from the other side of the door. He was just very all over the place. Um, but eventually, John Jr. started to break, and he was like, Dad, just confess and then flee the country. I'll give you thousands of dollars, and you can just get out of town. But Big John was like, no, I'm not doing that. And then John Jr. went in front of a jury and lied about what he knew. Big lied. And investigators knew that he had lied because they had the whole timeline of that weekend and where they were and who they were with. He knew that they had been in Lake Tahoe. He knew that they had tried to steal a battery from someone to get their strobe light to work for the helicopter to see that they had missed. They threw John Jr. in jail for perjury after they proved that he lied on a Friday. And by the end of the weekend, he legitimately told them every single thing he knew. And in exchange for telling them every single thing he knew, he did not have to serve time. Because on August 15th, 1981, nearly a year after the original explosion, Big John, Ella Joan, Terry Hall, Willis Brown were all arrested for extortion and conspiracy. John Jr. and Jimmy were given suspended sentences in exchange for testifying against their dad. And at the trial... John denied ever making the bomb, but he, oh no, he never denied making the bomb, but he claimed he was forced to put it in the casino by loan sharks that worked for Harvey Gross because he needed the insurance money to remodel his casino. He said that he gave the helicopter pilot bad directions on purpose so that the $3 million couldn't be delivered. And that would have been a very nice tied up in a bow story except that his sons testified every single thing they knew against their dad and they were very good and clear witnesses they recalled everything jimmy had been there while he was making the bomb and explained certain parts of the bomb and how it was made they told the jury how they had stolen the dynamite how they had watched their dad build the bomb how they had tried to talk him out of it and at the time of his arrest he had already stolen several hundred more pounds of explosives and was building a second bomb to do it again. 
So this this is crazy to me. He was convicted, Burgess Sr., and sentenced to 20 years in prison. That's it. 20 years. He could have killed hundreds of people. Yeah. His girlfriend got 27 months. Brown and Hall each got seven years. He died in prison in 1996 of liver cancer, five years before his sentence was completed. He was 74. But I thought, like, 20 years, they wanted to give him 10, and they were like, that's not enough, but life is too much, so how about 20? Like, you could have killed several people. You're already building another bomb. You, what, like, what's the thought process there? You're just going for the extortion and the conspiracy? Yeah, that's... I feel like now there would be laws in place that, like, you can't make that. Like, it's illegal that you would get charged for making a bomb. Oh, for sure. And I don't, yeah. I don't know what that charge is. But... And that would have been a terrorism charge. Yeah. Now, now domestic terrorism, for sure. Yeah. yeah. And the, and compared to other bombings that have happened, um, like the World Trade Center bomb that happened in the 80s. Is it the 80s? <laughs> 92. The Oak. Yeah, yeah, that bomb, and then the Oklahoma City bomb, they were bigger bombs, but they were not more complex than this one. They didn't have all the different triggers and the ways it could have been set off. Because as it said, you couldn't, you couldn't dismantle it. You, it had to be set off. It was either just going to get set off in the casino or it was going to get set off in the desert, and they were going to show them how to move it out. Can you not watch the surveillance videos? Because if they brought it into a casino, they're surveilling. Yeah, you can see them on, and they have coveralls and hats, and you see the shitty IBM logo that they drew on the side. But it was just like, you know, some people thought it was a pastry cart. Some people thought it was just a big copy machine and that they were just doing a machine delivery, you know, an equipment I mean, delivery. like, just, I guess you wouldn't know how to, like, move it from, like, to a car. But I would just say, like, I would just watch the video of, like, how they moved it in and just replicate that to move it out. Oh, yeah, yeah, that, I don't know. I don't know if they had. Also, do you want to risk it, you know? You want to risk it for the biscuit because somebody has to move it. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Maybe then he would have gotten longer if it detonated because somebody had to move it. But, I mean, he died anyways before he got out. You know that his kids were doing that for their mom. Oh, yeah, 100%. They're like, oh, you remember how abusive you were our entire lives? The younger one ended up starting, like, a really profitable, like, machining company. And he does really well for himself. And he talks about, like, being friends with the FBI and, like, talking to them and being, like, on good terms with them. And then the older one, um, John Jr., he last, I understood, makes surfboards in California. That's wild. Yeah, so. Uh, yeah. Fiverr is the world's largest marketplace for freelance digital services with a whole world of digital freelance at your fingertips and the best options for any budget. Explore Fiverr's marketplace featuring graphic design, programming, tech, digital marketing. There are endless industry options to fit your business needs. Find the right freelancer to begin working with in minutes. Discover high-quality services without worrying about hourly rates. Just clear project-based pricing, so you always know what you'll pay up front. And your payment isn't released until you approve the work. Protected payments every time. 
And if you have questions, Fiverr provides 24-7 support so that you'll have help at any time, no matter where you are. Use Fiverr to find the perfect freelance services for your business today. You can support Gruesome by using our special link, zen.ai slash gruesome5. That's Z-E-N dot A-I slash gruesome number five. The next time you need freelance support for your business. Has your brand been struggling to reach the correct audience when advertising? We've all done it. Maximize privacy filters on our phones and apps because who wants to be talking about something for it to pop up mysteriously later? It's weird and everyone hates it. Did you know that podcast advertising is way more effective than display advertising? With 67% of listeners remembering brands and 63% making a purchase after hearing them. You know how much we love Zencaster, and their new creator network is no different. Whether you want to diversify your ad spend, add a new marketing stream, or test out podcast ads, Zencaster's creator network makes it easy for brands to connect with podcasters. Zencaster's creator network is a perfect place for you to get into podcast ads and sponsor your favorite creators, like us. So stop wasting advertising dollars on ad campaigns that aren't targeting your niche audience. Let Zencaster's creator network match you with podcasters who can ensure that your target audience is being reached. We love Zencaster so much and being able to see ad opportunities come across our dashboard with a percentage match to see how much our audiences line up is game changing. It helps creators really get behind brands that mean something to them. And with a podcast show for just about anything you can think of, your brand is no exception. Are you interested in sponsoring this show or podcast ads for your business? Go to zen.ai slash gruesome and fill out the contact information so Zencaster can help you bring your business story to life. Man, I appreciate a different type of case this week. I was just, um, I had been reading a little bit about the Oklahoma City bombing, which I might do another time, but I just, like I said, bombs just really, uh, bombers and how they happen and how they take place, they really fascinate me. I watched, oh, what was it called? It's on Netflix. It's the Mormon doc- documentary where he was, like, blowing stuff off and making, like, fake Mormon artifacts and selling them. And it was, like, this big con that he had been running forever. Uh, and that was really interesting to me as well. I just think they're neat. I think not the most like unhinged people. Yeah. They're neat in the way that we think, like, serial killer documentaries are neat. Like, oh, that's interesting. Like, you see the psychology and the ticking behind it. You're like, why? Why are you like this? That's why I like learning so much about why people do the things that they do. It's not because I'm like, oh, my God, that's so cool. It's more like a, this is insane. This is so interesting, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Also, um, I'd have no idea how dynamite works. (laughs) just thinking about they're like oh yeah they put it in the sun they hide it in the freezer i'm like how does it but how does it explode my my knowledge of dynamite it begins and ends with like looney tunes i was gonna say is it looney tunes because that's what i think like it's just a box that says tnt and yosemite sam's just gonna pump it and that explodes that's it that's all that happens you just hit it? You just, like, give it a good punch? I don't understand what's in the box. It's always crazy to me. The people who have, I mean, 
quite frankly, the brilliant minds to be able to build something of that caliber, that it's wasted on something like building a bomb to kill people. Because, yeah, think of all the cool shit you could build with that. Or like just brain. Where you could be in life with that, yeah, with that brain. Like a good brain wasted. That's unfortunate. Three things to know about dynamite. Dynamite is not the same thing as TNT. Well, that song should they should be very misleading. Very misleading. misleading lyric. If you figured TNT was the name of the chemical inside dynamite and dynamite was the assembled explosive, you'd be only half right. Dynamite is indeed an explosive with several components assembled together, but TNT is not one of those components. Instead, the active explosive in dynamite is a chemical called nitroglycerin. Oh, yeah, okay. I think I did know that, but again, probably just from a movie. Nitroglycerin is a valuable heart medication. Fun fact. Oh, man. ACDC, you really did us dirty on Yeah, that. come on. Because I'm TNT. Yes. Has your brand been struggling to reach the correct audience when advertising? We've all done it. Maximize privacy filters on our phones and apps because who wants to be talking about something for it to pop up mysteriously later? It's weird and everyone hates it. Did you know that podcast advertising is way more effective than display advertising? With 67% of listeners remembering brands and 63% making a purchase after hearing them. You know how much we love Zencaster, and their new creator network is no different. Whether you want to diversify your ad spend, add a new marketing stream, or test out podcast ads, Zencaster's creator network makes it easy for brands to connect with podcasters. Zencaster's creator network is a perfect place for you to get into podcast ads and sponsor your favorite creators, like us. So stop wasting advertising dollars on ad campaigns that aren't targeting your niche audience. Let Zencaster's Creator Network match you with podcasters who can ensure that your target audience is being reached. We love Zencaster so much, and being able to see ad opportunities come across our dashboard with a percentage match to see how much our audiences line up is game-changing. It helps creators really get behind brands that mean something to them. And with a podcast show for just about anything you can think of, your brand is no exception. Are you interested in sponsoring this show or podcast ads for your business? Go to zen.ai slash gruesome and fill out the contact information so Zencaster can help you bring your business story to life. Okay, one more ad to tell you how much we love Zencaster. If you're listening to this and you're thinking that you could start a podcast, you should. Zencaster makes starting a podcast so easy. With their high-quality recording in both audio and video, Zencaster is the perfect platform to start your podcast journey. We've said it before, there is only one you and your voice is important. Use it to start a podcast today. We'd love to help you. Head over to Zencaster.com pricing and enter code GRUESOME for 30% off your first three months. And then tell us what you're creating. 80s ref music references in the last few weeks. I love that music, though. My eyes just so weird. Yeah. Are you okay? Yeah, just did a weird. I thought it was stuck up. You know, like we used to like flip your lid. Oh yeah. I thought that's what just happened. See if I can do it. You can do it. I think I, I can. can I mean, I can flip lids in my sleep from work. 
There you go. <laughs> now it's stuck. Okay, now I'm good. Eyelid flip handled. Lip, <laughs> lip flip. I have a fly in this room. And if you're going to, for our patrons who are going to watch the video version of this, I keep frantically looking around because it's like a slow fly. So I feel like I could catch it. I want to see you miss, though. I have been missing this entire episode because it'll get really close to me and like flip me off and then it just flies away like a little. What's the movie where Bruce Willis, he like catches it and then he like spits it out of his fist. You know what I'm talking about? No. Yeah, but I don't know what you're talking about. Willis flies, fly, catch. Maybe it's not Bruce Willis. The whole nine yards. Yeah, that is Bruce Willis. Yeah. Yeah, he catches a fly and puts it in his mouth. I remember just watching that and thinking that. Like, did he put it in his mouth? What just yeah. happened there? Totally took me out of the movie. Yeah. Then you're That's like, all I remember from that movie. That's hilarious. I drooled. We're having a real cute time right now. Flipping around. Right now, I'm like, it's my carousel. It's in my eyes. It's the wild, wild west out here, guys. It's the wild, wild west, hon. Uh, if you have been listening to our episodes and you're like, I don't like these ads, remember, you can always join our Patreon. Um, we have one tier that's literally just a dollar a month and you can get ad-free episodes. We are th- we have a $3 tier, a $7 tier, and a $10 tier. The $3 tier gets a bonus episode every month. We do like lives on Discord where you get to come hang out with us. Um, $7 tier gets a full bonus episode every month and like two other mini bonus episodes as well as like the Discord and everything. And then the $10 tier is our famous, world famous sticker of the month club. And then there's nothing above $10 tier. I mean, you still get everything else, like all the bonus episodes of the $10 tier too. So just a heads up if you guys are like, I'm done with these ads. what? New merch is out. Oh, yes. That was one of the things the Patreon Patreon subscribers got. They got 10% off for the weekend. And like it's Meg really outdid herself. It's like the dopest dope merch I've ever seen in my entire life. It's really cool. It's uh, super cool. All of it. Um, but yeah, you can go get new merch now. It's all there. It's waiting for you. Some of it's already sold out from Patreon. Yeah, so that's another reason. Come join. Uh, I think even our $1 a month got the Yeah, everybody merch. got a discount. Yeah. Then mer- merch discount. But um, so it will be dude, done seriously. on Monday. Yeah, that'll be done on Monday. And literally a buck. You don't get anything extra with it, except for like when we drop new merch over the weekend. And then like if you're uh, if you're a ten dollar tier member once, you'll always get ten percent off mm-hmm. forever, forever, ever. You have your own secret code, which I actually have to make a new one. Thank you for reminding me. Supply. But yeah, we wanted to. Oh, look, we know we're not like just- rolling in the dough. You like just we, yourself. You went, oh, oh. <laughs> we, we try to keep things affordable. That's why we have like so many different tiers. That's why when we were like, look, people are not going to like ads. We get it. Let's do a cheap AF tier. But also it costs us money to make the podcast. So yeah, that's why we do ads. So that's the thing. Like that's, that's what it is. Like 
we know you guys don't like ads, but like we also have to pay our bills. So yeah, it just happens. And the more of you there are, the more stuff we need for the podcast. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Because I think that's a thing. We talked about it before, but like we are not a production company. Like we are the production company. It's me and Connie and that's it. That's it. And sometimes we beg people to help us with like a thing that we can't quite figure out. And then we do it ourselves. (laughs) YouTube. Mm -hmm. That's actually how I started doing all the technical side of it, which is why you can hear a huge difference in like the early episodes versus even like now and the editing because it was all learned on the fly. I had no idea what I was doing. I had never done anything computer related and for the most part i am not great with computers i mean i'm a lot better with them now but you are good with computers don't don't sell yourself yeah okay i am i didn't want to humble brag oh you didn't want to chew your own horn (laughs) didn't want to (laughs) so you shit at it instead you're like true (laughs) my go-to it's my defense mechanism but seriously like you guys are all awesome we we love hearing from you. We love hearing like how we affect your lives and how you're like, we're, I feel like I'm just hanging out with friends because that's what we've always that's wanted. My favorite compliment we get. I feel like I'm yeah. just hanging out, listening to my friends and I'm like, we are your friends. That's how we want you to feel. Yeah. That's literally one of the first things we had talked about. Like we want it to be BM. quick to the cases, linger afterwards, just hang out. Because like this is how we would talk. If we didn't even have a podcast and we were just talking about these cases back and forth, this is how we would talk. Actually, it'd be a lot like a lot more F-bombs would be dropped from my point of view. But this is how it is. Okay, one more ad to tell you how much we love Zencaster. If you're listening to this and you're thinking that you could start a podcast, you should. Zencaster makes starting a podcast so easy. With their high quality recording in both audio and video, Zencaster is the perfect platform to start your podcast journey. We've said it before, there is only one you and your voice is important. Use it to start a podcast today. We'd love to help you. Head over to Zencaster.com pricing and enter code gruesome for 30% off your first three months. And then tell us what you're creating. I wanted to ask you a thing, not to. Yes, I let me hear. Thank you. Um, I saw this thing and I was like, hmm, yeah, that that checks out. Is your you know what your love language is? Mm -hmm. Okay, is your love language the thing that like when you were a kid you most needed? Yeah. Okay. Because I saw a thing like that the other day and I was like, oh, okay. (laughs) and it like hurt my heart a little bit there's also uh it says that your most self-destructive behavior like what you turn to when you're like like mine is like like a lot of self-doubt and like because my love language is words of affirmation and oh you know what it is i fully see that that is how i know you love me because you are you you hype me up yeah you're big hype man and um, that is the, like, that is what I prefer the most, words of affirmation over everything else. I also, so my you're hard on is, yourself. Yeah. So you're hard you're, on yourself. And it's say the same things to you. And like my husband's Talk about my friend like that. My husband's is acts of service. And That's mine. 
his his acts of service and when he is in his most like self-destructive mode he goes to potato mode where he doesn't do anything and it's like because he wants the acts of service Hmm, that makes sense mine is also acts of service um but it's also gift giving like gifts Mm -hmm. mine too acts of service and gifts which and, is why uh, we both hype. That makes so much sense because it's like you do a lot for me. I hype you up, and we both give gifts all the time. And I'm like a little gift here, a little gift here. I actually um, sent by the time this episode comes out, like she would have already gotten her gift. But Saint Karen has started um, for the first time since we were kids. She is not working right now. Her husband is like doing some training, so she is getting to be like a full on stay-at-home mom for the first time which is so awesome but she was talking about wanting to do new hobbies and she was like i think i'm gonna pick up embroidery so i just sent her a whole kit from amazon like a beginner and i went kit. through an embroidery phase i was very into i actually just embroidered uh, my kid's name on her backpack oh really that's year. awesome yeah she um like right before i started school i was doing embroidery and i was doing like portraits like faces of my friends I would like take their picture and like go over it um and then I started school and I was like nope no more my birthday's in February I would appreciate an embroidered version of us <laughs> I don't know if I could do it now honestly because I haven't done it in a couple years all I have ever wanted was one of the and I cannot embroider like I don't have the finger dexterity to do it um I'm just not, I'm just not, I can't do it. I got mitts. If I can do it, you can do it. <laughs> yeah, like I just, I, 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 I'm not, I can't. And all I have ever wanted in life is one of the embroidery pictures with a sassy saying where it has like flowers and stuff. And then it's Wait, like, do you want embroidery or do you want cross stitch? Cause they're different. I don't know. Cross stitch looks like pixelated. Like it looks No, like no, I don't want that. No, I don't want that. I want it like actual, like embroidered. And I wanted to say something like, fuck this shit. Or, you know, like something with like flowers. And it's one of those sayings. I, just, I have a friend who does cross stitch and she's so good at it. I'm just like, I can't do, I can't do cross stitch at all. I could do embroidery because it's like kind of like freehand. You can, mm-hmm. If you can draw like out like a line, like line art, you can do yeah. it pretty much as long as you follow it. But cross stitch is like math. It's hard. Yeah. Like, the cross stitch is the shit. My friend cross stitches and crochets, and she makes like some of those. Like, I'm trying to think of the. Hold on, I have to now. I have to look this up real quick because it was. I had it broke his leg in the 70s, and he learned how to cross stitch when he was holed up, so he can cross stitch. I love that (laughs) embroidery. I have to find this like what it was. It was about being petty. Hold on, I have to find it because I was like, I want this. I need this. I've seen the ones that say like, don't do coke in the bathroom. That's hilarious. I don't have anyone coming over that I think is doing coke in my bathroom though, so I don't really need that. Which I guess I should get maybe some exciting friends or maybe not. I don't know. Maybe. Can't find it. I got to find it again. Please don't do When you find it, you can text it to me. (laughs) Yeah. But that's my dream. It's like a really cool embroidery, cross stitch, whatever. The fun saying on it. To hang in my office. 
I will keep that in mind in my month break that I have for school. But again, I'm reading right now. I got yeah. That's a yeah. That's your thing. I don't want to interrupt your reading because you deserve it. You deserve every book that you're going to read this next month. You deserve it. You deserve every quiet moment that you're going to have. I want that for you. I want to raise ruckus on Saturday together on our girls' date. But we are going to raise a ruckus. I don't know what we're going to do. We we said we were going to go to the movies. Are we? Yeah, we're going to the movies and going to Goodwill. (laughs) Like. In a fancy, very romantic time. (laughs) I'm gonna wear a pretty dress. What are like what? What are like peak lady date dates? Like obviously thrift store. I've never done a lady date at the movies. I don't think, but it makes sense. Well, if we're going Saturday, we can go to that place in Carble. That is, uh, I can't think of the Juniper on Main. I think is the name of the restaurant, and it is top tier brunch spot. Oh, brunch! They have yeah brunch. They have a deviled egg flight. I mean, come on. I want a flight of deviled eggs for <laughs> sure. I wouldn't even, would you like to eat six full eggs? Ew, no. What no. if I cut them in half and fill them with mustard? Yes. Yes. Uh-huh. yes I, I would, would absolutely eat six entire eggs. Let's go. You don't drink, but like mimosas will be on the menu for me, of course. <laughs> um, a picture to myself. Brunch, thrifting. Movies. Movies. What else are lady date things? A dessert afterwards? Like we would have to, I feel like. Oh yeah, like a little treat. Coffee. Coffee treat to go with our thrifties. A huge embrace at the end of the day. My favorite thing about going shopping with you is how we hype each other up for purchases. Like you should buy that. You no, you need it. Remember when you tried that dress on over your clothes in Goodwill, the pink one? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, you know what? If you like it, you should get it. <laughs> I did Thinking not get about it. that dress, where where would you have worn it? Look, I bought that really nice, flowy, open back gown with flowers all over in L.A., <laughs> and I haven't worn it anywhere. I might wear it on Saturday to Lady Day. I needed a gown for <laughs> it's like important this beautiful things. maxi dress, and I was like, oh, for all of the weddings i'm invited to all of the <laughs> events and then i haven't we were talking about that we never get invited to weddings and we got invited to one and actually that this will be the week of that wedding so congratulations to you happy wedding your wedding week. invitation yes so it was be on the lookout cute not for us we're not coming not for us unfortunately um we were trying to figure out the schematics of how to make it work and we just, were like how can we get there and crash their wedding. What if they don't recognize us? <laughs> and I was escorted from the premises. They're like, excuse me, ma'am. I'm going to need you to get the hell out of here, you weirdo. <laughs> and they need to get the hell up on out of here. But I, I really I don't get invited to weddings like ever. Uh, so I was no, very All my excited. friends are married. <laughs> yeah, I know. Kind of like we aged out of the wedding invitation. <laughs> ah. <laughs> Most of my cousins are crazy, so I don't go to any weddings. Those weddings could be very entertaining, though. They are fun. They are fun. I, uh, you know what? I say I would go, but I'm so socially awkward that I don't know how well they would do. After, like, three drink Connie is fun. One drink Connie is a little sweaty. You're like, I had better drink two more of these. <laughs> so I can be fun and not care that I'm sweaty. Mm-hmm. Because I'm nervous. Just know I'm nervous. 
I already told my husband if someone comes up to me and they're gonna be like, Are you Cotty from the podcast? I'm gonna be like, Podcast? Who? Me? In a podcast? No. I would definitely out head to toe in gruesome apparel. I don't know what you're talking about. Dude, it's literally all I wear. It's horrible. I've noticed like every time I leave my house, because it's the only clothes I buy right now. Yeah. I'm like, oh, I actually want to buy this and then I actually want to wear it. But for like three days in a row, I wore like gruesome sweatpants, gruesome t-shirt, gruesome crew neck. And I was like, all right, another thing today. I got uh, nervous. I think is the right word. Like nervous. Uh, I didn't talk about the podcast a lot with like my kids' parents, like they're my kids' friends' parents. But my oldest was going around telling everyone that his mom was a famous podcaster. <laughs> so then people started coming up to me and being like, "Asking had a podcast," and I was like, "Yeah." And it's like I know what we do is great, and I know that people think it's great. But like you know how like sometimes people can be not nice. Yeah. And also, nice. you're a different people here. Like yeah. when people meet me in real life, like I am a different. Megan here that's that like I'm professional di- yeah that I am in uh real life so somebody was like oh I recognize your voice from the podcast it's so and I was like oh huh, cool that's awesome because real life Megan is a little bit more awkward I get really excited but I also yeah. like, will probably hug you or like get very like I went to hug the first person that did it um and I was like no handshake don't hug so it was like a weird arm out with a handshake situation it was really cute it was cute i wouldn't hug i just get so excited that i don't know how to do it other than physically like show my affection i'm just like i'm very excited about this i squeeze me i think i'd like i love you too (laughs) i love your podcast oh thanks i love you i love you too (laughs) yeah Everyone exactly thinks they're be our best friends until you get 17 text messages from me in a row. Just one sentence is per text. That's how yeah. I text. I also text like that. That's that's why, <laughs> that's why our texts are so long. Yeah. Um, but that's how you talk. Yeah, you it say is it like talk. that. And then you also have to be prepared. This is why I love Megan so much. She understands that I'm going to not text you for days. A day for two. Well, and I'm telling you just are in text mode and sometimes you're not yeah text mode is like i'm gonna text a million times like we talked about muffin (laughs) bagels being the grown-up muffin like in (laughs) adding to my nerd trifecta there's also a trifecta of the cupcake muffin bagel where it starts off you're a young free kid and you're a cupcake and then you are a muffin, which is like you are in college you're in or between, you're, yeah. You're in between. It's like you're still kind 20s. of fun, but like you're starting to slow down. And the bagel is when you like have a bank account and a 401k and you wear a suit. Now, when you start adding things like cream cheese and everything, that's the bagel who's still trying to have fun, you know. <laughs> well, if you're eating a I don't know. I just love bagels, man. I love bagels. I tr- pretty much every single morning will make an avocado bagel with tomato and everything bagel seasoning. Every uh, day. sometimes I don't have it. Sometimes I don't. Which is like not usually my thing because I'm more of a Starbucks girl. 
but Dunkin' Donuts has stuffed everything bagel mini bites. Starbucks has those too. With bagel? They're stuffed? Yeah, they're like little bites and they have cream cheese in them and they have everything bagel seasoning. Maybe they don't have them anymore, but they had them. I haven't seen that. When I worked there, they did. But their egg bites are my jam. I eat them for a snack at like six o'clock in the night. I feel like they've gotten bigger. Like the last time I got them, I thought they were like really tidy. And then I got them another time. I was like, holy crap, those things are. I always buy them. And then I have to, they're so hot. I have to do the. Yeah. (laughs) You're like, I can't wait one more second. This is going to be awful, but I'm going to do it anyways. Well, let's see. Bagel bites. Starbucks. Phantom bagel bites. Yes, they still have them. What? I need to I need to find these. I'm gonna have to I might have to go tomorrow. Actually, I'm and everything to... bagels with chopped vegetable cream cheese stuffed inside. And then they have a cinnamon sugar one too, I think. Maybe. I don't know if they still have it. Heike, my favorite bagels are from Einstein Brothers. I've never been to an Einstein Brothers. Well, we could go on Saturday. There's one. I feel like all of our East Coast listeners mm-hmm. will be disappointed in us if we say that we like like bagels from a chain. They're going to be like, no, you've never even had a bagel. Yeah, come to New York. We'll show you a bagel. And I'm like, honey, I'm trying. Like, we're trying. Trying. I want to go to New York or the East Coast or anywhere without my children and husband. Get me out of there. Someone help me, please. Give me a bagel. my SOS. Help, help, help. Okay, on that note. (laughs) (laughs) On that note, we really don't need rescued, but. No, we don't need rescued. (laughs) Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to Gruesome Horrific True Crime, a Zencaster-powered podcast. Seriously, we wouldn't be here without them. Zencaster is simple to use and makes it easy to edit your own podcast. Zencaster gives you automatic, high-quality post-production sound, transcription, and HD video recordings of all of your episodes. If you want to start a podcast, and we think you should, click the link in the show notes or at our website and use the code GRUESOME with a capital G for 30% off your first three months. We love you, beautiful strangers. And if you love us too, here are some ways that you can support Gruesome. Please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcast or a five-star rating on Spotify. This helps other true crime connoisseurs find us. Follow us at Gruesome Podcast on Instagram or TikTok and talk to us on our posts. Join the Patreon. Sign up to join our True Crime Sticker of the Month Club and gain access to bonus episodes and exclusive Patreon perks. Or if a one-time donation is more your thing, we have a Venmo at Gruesome Podcast and a PayPal via our email, gruesomepodcast at gmail.com. Speaking of which, we love hearing from you. It seriously makes our whole life. So send us your questions, comments, suggestions, Or just ask our opinion on whether that person you met on Tinder is a serial killer or not. Tune in next week and don't forget, lock your windows, lock your doors, and on Wednesdays, we're we're gruesome. gruesome. Bye. Bye.